Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hey folks, Al Martin here. Thank you for listening again to Making Data Simple. We'll have some fun today, as always. Hope everybody is well. I wanted to talk about RegTech. I don't know that I've talked about RegTech on the podcast. Maybe if it was, it was some time ago. But uh, I've got the expert. I've, I've set him up, see? Mark Gables is here. He's part of my team. He leads RegTech in Expert Labs, which is a division of services that is associated directly with development. So welcome, Mark. How are you, buddy? Hi, Al. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. You set me up well enough that uh, the, I'm the expert. So uh, see if I can meet that bar or at least come uh, close. Sure you'll be able to meet. You know, the best thing about a podcast is I take arrows most of the time, and this is the one area I can throw arrows. Yeah, you get to. I, yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's the main reason why I keep doing this. All right. Well, I'll be on my toes. I may have to duck or dodge here a little bit, but I'll uh, I'll be on my toes. And... So why don't you introduce yourself? You you and I have a long history, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that the you know, we got listeners worldwide. I'm, I'm sure they'd like to get to know you. Well, going a ways back, uh, you and I both came into IBM uh, via the Informix acquisition. So that's uh, dating ourselves a bit back to around 2001 or so. And the last 10 years of or so within IBM, my primary focus has been leading our uh, what we call our commercial payments practice which is really uh, our FTM family, our financial transaction manager family of software that uh, and have worked with banks and financial institutions around the world implementing payment systems, everything from check to ACH to real-time instant payments. Uh, so that's been my world in the last 10 years or so and my focus in leading that uh, services practice. And uh, earlier this year, uh, offered uh, by you and the, the team opportunity to uh, kind of expand that footprint and have gotten involved in an ex- a couple of exciting additional areas. One kind of related to payments with the Safer Payments and, uh, and Financial Crimes or FCI, Financial Crimes and Insight uh, uh, products that we have. And then uh, also uh, kind of a, a new space for me that's been a, an exciting and uh, fast-paced learning opportunity for me around our open pages product, which is really a world-class, first-in-class leader in uh, what's called the GRC space or the governance regulation compliance space. That's a booming space. And we've got it, as we do with FTM and, and Safer Payments and FCI, we've got very strong product offering there, working with clients around the world from financial institutions to uh, insurance companies to other spaces, uh, high-tech companies, uh, et cetera, helping them deal with the challenges that governance and regulation and compliance and and meeting some of the challenges that an ever-growing space with complexity, amount of data, needing to gain insight from that data, needing to ensure quality input for that data has really created the opportunity where they need to leverage um, not just products like uh, like Safer Payments, but the Watson, the AI capability that we are integrate with them to help them gain insight and understand their data and, and take, you know, actionable ideas from that, from the data. So it's been an exciting space and uh, I'm still uh, on the learning curve and a fun and a great challenge. Hey, before we jump into those solutions, 
curious, you know, look, yeah, we started or we worked together at Informix data mm-hmm. before we, you know, a database company before we, we were acquired. What do you, if you were to describe your brand, Mark Gabrielson's brand, what would it be? Mark Gabrielson's brand. I would say that I am a customer advocate and a problem solver. I don't do the implementations, but I, I help work and plan and then solve problems and manage through the complexities, be it with clients, be it internally to IBM. Uh, so I, I think, you know, that's where I excel and, and uh, working with clients, understanding, identifying, uh, simplifying problems so that we can get them solved and, and add value and create value and, and uh, unlock the value of our software for clients. What's your most favorite job? Out of all the jobs you've had of your career so far, working for Al Martin. Yeah, <laughs> we know you're lying now. What's What's my favorite job? You know, it was uh, I'll say it was right up there. Well, one, I, I absolutely love services and the delivery, and working firsthand, face to face with clients. So, you know, I, I'll say working with clients is right up there. The probably one of the most interesting jobs I had. Uh, Earlier in the career when I was with IBM and so in the support role as I got involved with a number of acquisitions and was involved with about a half dozen acquisitions through the, from the due diligence process through the integration process once they came into IBM. That was certainly an interesting job from uh, acquisitions that were small, as small as uh, about 20, a 25-person company to a several thousand-person company in the form of FileNet and a couple other fairly large ones. So fascinating process to be early in the uh, in the due diligence uh, process when you're under NDA and IBM's bringing all of the domain experts from across the business into a, assess a company and, and then working that through the integration process into uh, bringing them into IBM. I know a, a lot of uh, many, many IBMers are uh, in IBM via the acquisition process. So uh, that was a very interesting job. So M&A better than Informix? Was the M&A better than Informix? Um, you know, it was different. <laughs> I'd say they, we kept learning along the way, right? That's never uh, evolving and improving uh, process to, uh, to, to smooth out the... Uh, Look, here's my dilemma. Here's my dilemma. Yeah. I loved, it. I loved Informix. I mean, we had a freaking great time. And, yeah. uh, but I can't tell if it was just I was a ton younger and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'd have a good time. You know, you go out, you come in, you'd work, you work database business, you you, yep. you mess with bits and bytes all day. Then you'd go out, you have fun. We were learning and uh, young, having fun. Or is it kind of the, the dot com or was it uh, because it, it was just the culture? I don't know. I, I've never been able to solve that problem. Yeah, hey, it's some of both, right? I mean, we were, uh, even though us personally were in Kansas, we we're, a, a, you know, a, a Silicon Valley based uh, business. There was certainly a dot com element to us uh, that maybe we had to grow up a little bit when we got into IBM. And uh, there's a reason we were on the uh, acquiree end and not on the acquirer end. Uh, so there's uh, there's probably some goodness there that maybe didn't uh, all feel like uh, good at the time, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure where the answer is. So probably not a single answer, but uh, some of both, of, some some elements of both, I would imagine. It was a good time, though, I have to say. It was indeed. Uh, outside of delivering pizzas, which which is probably my favorite job. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't pay well. It doesn't pay so well. Anyway, uh, all right, back to business. All right, so for the listeners, describe 
RegTech, if you could. What what is RegTech when it comes down to it? How, what's your definition? I don't care what the I could go on the on Google and get a definition, but what's your definition of RegTech? I think it's a label that you know describes it's technology that helps companies and and institutions deal with the regulatory space, right? So it's a set of applications. A a couple of my, obviously are more payment oriented, but certainly from an open pages standpoint, there's a number of aspects of the regulatory requirements, dare I say, burden that customers face, whether it's financial reporting, whether it's uh, risk assessment, whether you know it's it's IT governance and compliance, there's so many facets of this, and it's really booming in both scope and complexity. And so we're, you know, what the reg tech space brings, at least to my mind, is a set of software and a set of uh, you know delivery expertise and domain expertise and knowledge to help customers not just survive, but thrive and perhaps turn into an advantage of dealing with uh, the complexities. They're improving their overall business performance by reducing risk to their business and gaining insight to the, that can help make them more effective and uh, as well as reduce risk. Are most customers doing this because they have to, kind of out of compliance, and it's just like a necessary evil? Or are there other benefits that they're pursuing first or they do they start with compliance and then reap the benefits or is it a mix what's what's your sense well it's it's a mix i mean there's certainly for public companies i mean let's just every public uh, company has a, a fiduciary duty to the report financials and do that thing so that i you know i'd say that's certainly where it starts and then as a company looks as they run their business managing and putting in processes and controls to manage their finances, manage their risk, understand where those things are. And, you know, different industries have different sets of regulations that they have to adhere to. So certainly, first and foremost, it's a mandatory thing from a, a set of regulatory rules that most all companies have to follow from local government and regulatory bodies, be it government, be it stock exchange, SECs, to use a couple of U.S. examples, that's where it starts. And most of the companies that we work with have grown up and and these things have come on at, at different points of time in different areas. And so they're largely siloed applications and siloed areas of the business that then creates a, another level of challenge with how do you connect data and gain insight across these siloed systems? And this is one of the areas where Open Pages really stands out um, because of its architecture. It lets clients start anywhere. There's eight different modules within Open Pages, and a client can pick any one or any combination of the models. So wherever their biggest need happens to be, if they've got a particular pain point, uh, maybe because of of a compliance risk that they've got, you know, you know, some sort of government uh, order or some sort of problem that they've uncovered that they need to go tackle. If that's around financial reporting, if that's around risk management, if it's around model management and, and understanding how they manage their models around AI or their risk models, 
how those are developed. They can really start anywhere where their need is, and then they can expand because all the modules are built on the same data model. So it's expandable in any which way. And our product offering does not force a customer to start in a particular point or at a particular way and proceed in a particular order. So we can really meet the client wherever they are and go wherever they need to go. Look, I, I, as an investor, I was just reading an article today that actually mm-hmm. was talking about red, reg tech and, and it being hot right now for global yep. investments. Something like reg tech companies reached $9.2 billion in global investments and some deals have exceeded $100 million according to the fintech uh, research. I think that was uh, Tech Bullion that reported that. So it's hot, really hot. And uh, I guess we all know why, given, you know, some of the breaches uh, that we've seen uh, in the news and whatnot. And I think it it tends to scare people. I want to talk about those breaches. But, you know, to your point, I thought you mentioned this in terms of some offshoot benefits of governance risk in compliance. And one of those is it actually, you know, you'd think it would put up silos, but a lot of times it's breaking down silos. You've got to access data with multiple personas in multiple areas mm-hmm. of the business. I actually see it breaking down silos. You agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's this concept of kind of three lines of defense in companies in the GRC space. The last line of defense is kind of the audit and auditing the process to make sure they're being complied. The The second line is the processes and controls that get put into place by the resources or the, the people that are you know charged with uh, establishing that. And then the first line of defense is really building that into the day-to-day activities of everyone so that that enforcement is built in and it's not some sort of activity that happens after the fact. You still need those activities to make sure those things are happening. But what most companies are trying to do is build this governance and compliance into the day-to-day activities of their people so that that's not something where you're running around after the fact trying to chase and play whack-a-mole with finding problems after they've happened. You've got to build those processes and controls and checks in to the day-to-day work. So you're absolutely right. It when a, a complete strategy is taken on, it, it does break down silos, and that's one of the keys to success in it. Do, do any of these hacker situations tie into driving the, the heat and opportunity around uh, reg tech? There is no business that is outside the risk right now. I, I read yesterday that Russian hackers mm-hmm. were in Iowa grain or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, holding them hostage. I mean, is that adding to fuel to the fire here or what? Well, it, it certainly does. And look, here's an example that I like to use. And, you know, earlier this year in the May time frame in, in the U.S., uh, a company called Colonial Pipeline was uh, hit by a, a cyber attack where essentially they gained access to the Colonial Pipeline uh, internal network via an unused but still active VPN and we're able to place malware and basically force a ransom, you know, $5 million Bitcoin ransom payment uh, from the CEO to unlock the ransomware that had shut down their network and it shut down the pipeline that serves just about 50% of the Northeast corridor of the United States. Gasoline, auto fuel, right? I mean, that's a national security problem right there. And look, 
open pages software is is not uh, malware or anything like that but if we look at uh, a hypothetical situation uh, using our IT governance uh, package where the IT governance goes and you know for about a, a 60 day implementation we can go sit up and and have a client up and running with IT governance identifies and tracks all of their IT assets such as a VPN and they could have uh, you know been assuming that a, an idle VPN that's not that's no longer being used but is still active would violate some sort of procedure and should be shut down within X number of hours or days of, of no longer being used, someone could have been, that uh, an alert could have been raised and someone could have actioned that and shut down that VPN. There's some if and buts there, but that's the type of governance and control that companies need and are trying to get so that they understand their things like their, their IT assets, They've got governance and, and compliance measures around that. So when something doesn't happen, they can be alerted, take action, and, and close off that type of gateway or opening where cyber hackers got in and, and had a major impact and shut down a, an entire company. You know what I find interesting about all this is, I mean, I love the technology. We'll get back to that. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that these cybersecurity or, or cyber criminals, I should say, have entered mm-hmm. a new level, right? They're yeah. trying to have some form of integrity. Have you noticed this? It's like <laughs> they have marketing campaigns now and, and they promise and, and commit to, hey, look, if you do this, we'll do this. And we promise that that because they don't want to lose that promise because then their bribes don't work in the future. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of irony that there's a set of rules around uh, people are breaking the rules, right? I know. I just, it's like a, a whole new world. I mean, we probably thought we would get here, but I'm sure they wrote it in a book years ago and we've, we finally reached uh, this point. But, you know, people are paying. That's, that's yeah. the crazy stuff. They're paying. I thought we used to, you, you don't deal with hackers. Now I guess you do. I, I don't know. Well, we do. And, you know, here's another space, another area that we deal with this in is in our safer payments product, right? So safer payments is real-time fraud detection. And as you think about payments and the payments world where it has existed for multiple years has largely been a batch-oriented processing model. Checks, ACH, when you make online payments out of your bank account, you probably notice and been frustrated. You can't make a payment right now, generally. Historically, you make a payment and it, it, it the earliest you can make the payment is tomorrow with a uh, a payment or the next business day with a payment arriving at your payee, you know, a couple of days from now. And that's reflective of the batch oriented model where all those payments from the financial institution get batched up. They go out at the end of the day. And in the meantime, they, the banks have several hours by which to evaluate those payments for any, any potential fraud. Okay. Well, that model's changing now with initiatives like real time and instant payment schemes all over the world. Virtually every country has them. The The European Union has their own schemes in addition to all the European countries having their unique schemes. Canada has a scheme called Interact. The U.S. has a Zelle and, and real-time payment scheme from the clearinghouse. So you've got all these payment schemes with real-time payments. And you, you think of now taking your phone and I can pull up Al Martin's mobile number or email address, and I can make a payment to him that's irrevocable. And the bank now has seconds to make a decision on 
whether or not they should allow that payment to go through because the money's transferred and it's done. They don't have X number of hours now to sit and evaluate all those transactions for fraud. So um, that safer payments is having a huge impact and using its capabilities with its own machine learning uh, and to improve and constantly improve the models via machine learning to stay up and, and stay hopefully a step ahead of the attackers for that are trying to uh, commit uh, financial fraud. So I'll pivot into the technology a little bit. This mm-hmm. is kind of where I wanted to go. That was a great story, by the way. And it made me think of, you know, where AI plays in reg tech. And look, it's like almost reg tech and, well, anything around uh, GRC can't exist without AI because you got so much data. You're right, right. It's like on demand. You want to go with a player that can take all that data, you know, use what I want to say, statistical analysis and everything that goes with it so you can find the criminals. And mm-hmm. uh, how would you do that without AI? I mean, it seems like this is the perfect use case for yeah. artificial intelligence or machine learning. It really is. And so with the real-time need and being able to collate information and do that in real time to spot the different patterns that just wouldn't be visible with the amount of data that needs to be consumed and understood, you have to leverage AI. You're just not going to be successful. There's just no way any number of humans can process that and connect the dots. And and same in... um, in the GRC space, I mean, you've got so much data that's being consumed and think about a large multinational FI and, and the amount of data that they have, the amount of process, the amount of controls that they have in place. I'll, I'll give you an example from a, a client that we're working with. They were sharing with me the other day that they're increasing their audit plan for this year is increasing by nearly 40% over 4 million auditable hours. So you think of all the work and all the data that goes into that it is collected in, in preparation, in conducting, in reporting on those audits, and then tying through how that ties into all the processes that they're tracking and their compliance level to those processes and any exposure that they may have to the regulatory or financial, it's unfathomable to do it without some sort of AI capability, which which they are, you know, really, really leveraging and they really recognize because it's just, um, it's a massive amount of decrease and it's it's increasing both in size and scale and complexity at, uh, at, at really shocking levels. So I'm not here really to talk about products, but I, I think that I mean, you got to almost talk to some of our products to talk to, you know, reg tech mm-hmm. and ERC and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. A good example in safer payments, open pages has, I mean, look, it, it's taken off. Tell me about open pages. I mean, what is the, the sweet spot? I mean, wh- what is the secret sauce here? Because it is going crazy. So a couple of things. One it's really a comprehensive solution. The, the eight, maybe not coming nine modules really put us, I think, you know, recognized in, in the industry in the upper right-hand quadrant. So we've got great coverage, nearly all the components of the space. And 
so that's one. Two is the, the architecture that I noted earlier really allows us to meet the client wherever they're at. And whether they need one module, whether they need three, whether they need all eight, whether they need it on-prem, whether they need it on cloud as a service, we can meet them wherever uh, they are at. So we, from a product offering standpoint, really are the gold standard. And then the flexibility that we have, uh, sometimes that's not always the case. Sometimes you have a great product, but then you've got to follow a pretty rigid methodology. But the fact that this thing has been built from the ground up on a single data model that allows that um, start anywhere, go anywhere type of model really allows us to meet any customer opportunity, right? And wherever they're at, that we don't really disqualify ourselves from hardly any opportunity because we can't meet them there. We can't go there, you know, or, or we're, that's not the right starting point for us um, with, with the way our products build. So that architecture and then the completeness of our offering, I think are the two things that really set us apart. Can you uh, talk to a, a use case or two? Maybe you've already said one or two, but I mean, I, I want a little bit more clarity on the use case around one of the modules you mentioned. One that we talked about earlier, a similar but slightly different implementation, is IT governance. And this is getting us into some places and some some industries that haven't been. Typically, our sweet spot has been financial institutions and insurance. But with IT governance, we've got a couple of recent wins and implementation at a regional uh, gas company where they needed help monitoring and managing remote assets for gas meters and and things that are out in the field where they needed an ability to to understand, are those assets there? Are they functioning? Are they in compliance with their IT standards that they have in place? And we went in on a 60-day implementation, about 100K, and got that set up and got them from go to production in just a hair over 60 days making a you know big difference there and a, a really nice use case. We've got a similar you know s- starting small type of implementation another 60 day type of implementation around IT governance with a large uh, telco company. Um, that one's got the uh, ability to expand. There's obviously, you know, a number of different types of assets there with a telco that are different than uh, a regional gas company. The, the pattern is the same, that they've got assets that need to understand and be able to monitor and have uh, control over, better manage their, their IT organization. This is one that's getting us into some, um, some new fields and has a nice kind of small, easy to get started use case with a, with a modest price tag and a, a quick return on investment. Can you expand on... You know, how, if I'm a client listening, how do I get started? I mean, what does the client journey look like in this space? Where would I be? Where do I need to go? What should I be thinking? And this is kind of the hardest part for me or when, when I'm talking with clients is finding out where they are in the journey and then progressing them from left to right, right being, uh, you know, the stronger in maturity. So that's where we have a little bit of challenge on, on just sort of defining a journey because of that the advantage that I talked about that you can kind of start anywhere, go anywhere, the client journey really depends on where they're at and what their need is. We see a lot of clients start with one or two modules because they've got a particular need. Perhaps it's uh, around audit. Perhaps it's around model management. 
We've got interesting uh, tie-in with uh, another one of the IBM plays around um, AI governance, uh, where we use our model management uh, component that plays a key role in managing and, and overseeing the, the model and understanding where there might be uh, variants, but where they are able to leverage model management. The use case is a little bit hard to define. I mean, we, we've got some examples of where it goes, but typically it's clients starting out with one or two modules, which of those modules doesn't really matter. And then it, it's adding in and they, they see this and look, this the product is very good and they can, without too much additional investment, they can begin leverage the additional modules because it ties in, it's on the same data model, and they can begin to make some progress and break down those, what for many customers are a, a set of siloed applications that they can begin to stepwise break down and begin getting some um, you know, the benefits of tearing down those silos and then layering in the AI capabilities that Open Pages has with it to, to better understand their data, improve data quality, improve things like helpers and understanding the data to improve uh, employee um, productivity, reduce training requirements. The, the case that I alluded to earlier where they've got 35 to 40% increase in audible hours uh, this year, they're also increasing their number of auditors by 25%. So being able to minimize onboarding and training costs are another huge benefit. So you, you get into the same application, you're able to leverage that. The AI capabilities that we're putting in there are, are going to help guide the auditors in this case. And again, reducing the training costs and making them more productive. And when you've got something, one, an organization as large as this is, but whether you're large or small, when you're talking about a 25% increase in an organization and a 40% increase in workload, you've got to improve efficiency if you're going to make those match and work out. And also you're doing it in a way that you're trying to improve data quality at the same time. All of those things have to tie in with, uh, with AI. So in addition to sort of starting with one, adding in modules, and then layering in AI, I think is probably the typical customer journey, but there's variants of that and customers can start going with AI right out of the gate. Uh, so there's all sorts of variants, but I would say that's probably the most common sort of client pattern or client journey that we have. To keep ourselves honest, who are the competitors out there and do we have a different I mean, what is our point of view that differs? We certainly have competitors. I think from a product standpoint, our, our differentiators are two. I think our product, and as I said, that's got two attributes, are the completeness and breadth of our offering, as well as our architecture. So that one differentiator. And then I think the really the big one is what we've been talking about, which is AI and the ability to leverage sort of the power of IBM, the power of Watson to combine that in, I think, you know, makes us um, really puts us in a in a in a different category from that respect. So I none of the other of our competitors can really match the AI capability uh, that that IBM is able to bring. Look, this has been a good chat, man. Anything on GRC and safer payments or anything in you know in, in FCI that we didn't get to that you wanted to that we should make mention of? 
It is an exciting space, as you noted. It, it is on fire. We've got uh, we've got demand, and we've got sort of exciting opportunities all over the world. We're actively growing the team, and have made a lot of uh, some headway in in that respect. But um, look, you know, IBM and and sort of the the, the power of IBM as an overall trusted advisor, but in particular in the GRC space, some of the expertise that we bring. The, the strength of our product offering along with the power of, of Watson and infusing AI into this really, really makes us a, a clear differentiator. Same with safer payments. We've got uh, with the AI capabilities that we've got there and the machine learning, it is on the forefront of uh, you know the financial crimes and, and financial fraud space. And, and we're seeing significant growth there. And, and our payments business as the real-time payments space takes off and, and the world really transitions to real-time payments and this notion of waiting two or three days to get paid for something or to pay someone for something becomes a, a, a relic of the past. Um, there's there's more and more demand for these things and, uh, and customers around the world continue to look for to, to IBM and, and our overall capabilities and our capabilities in these spaces in particular to be their partner to help solve these problems uh, for them. Um, so it's, uh, it's an exciting place to be. One thing about being a part of IBM that I always enjoy is that we still have a brand of trust. And I think this, this directly aligns with, with, with trust. And, and these are the types of things where this, this is, you know, people are putting their jobs in their line with these types of things, with payments, with fraud, with uh, with risk and compliance. And, uh, you know, some of these things don't have second chances. So people are looking for a trusted partner that they know is going to be around and know is going to stand by them through thick or thin. And that's, uh, you know, that's what IBM represents. Otherwise, pay five million, I guess. I guess. If you got it. If and you got and it, that doesn't count any of the reputational damage, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. absolutely. I, I don't want to be the guy that has to sign that check. No, that's a, uh, that, that's a tough day, right? We think we've got problems, but that's a tough day. And, no, and no, go explain no, that no. one to the board. So where can folks go to find more information? Is it IBM.com, RegTech? Is that, is that yeah, we've got RegTech out there. Their site, we've got lots of uh, sort of good uh user stories out there and uh, as, as well as client examples. So lots of information out there and I uh, would encourage you to go check it out. Certainly reach out to, to myself or there's contact lists out there on the, on the site as well. Dude, thank you for being here. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, learned about reg tech risk, all that in between. I think, you know, you've done a podcast now, so you're definitely the expert one way or another. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was fun and we'll look forward to doing it again sometime. Thank you. And thanks to the listeners for listening to us. Look, please rate us on your podcast venue of choice. We appreciate it. And hit me on almartintalksdata at gmail.com if you have any feedback or you would like to be a guest. Uh, Until next time, I'll see you on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, let's go over and out. Oh.